Welcome to the Product Podcast, brought to you by Product School, the podcast where you get fresh insight from leaders at top tech companies and startups. Remember, you can learn product management in person at our 15 campuses worldwide or study with us online. Visit productschool.com to learn more about our courses. You can also hang out with the leaders from these podcasts at our hundreds of annual events and catch us at ProductCon, the world's largest PM conference that takes place every year across the United States and in London. So yeah, I'm here to talk about working with UX. I'll start by saying hello. Um, I'm Melanie, as, uh, as introduced, I'm the product lead at Rightmove. Uh, if you don't know what Rightmove is, given that there are people not from the UK and I guess not everybody's interested in property. Um, we are the number one property portal in the UK. Um, we have over a million properties on the site at any given time, um, around 27 million searches done a day, and um, around a billion minutes spent on Rightmove per month um, by our users. So it's a, people use us a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of data, there's a lot of users, there's lots of different types of people. Um, Bit, a little bit about me. Um, I've worked in product since 2005. Uh, I fell into it. I left university. Someone said, you know about computers and websites. Do you want to be a product manager? I didn't know what it was. They paid me. I took the job. Uh, <laughs> turns out I really like it. Um, lots of stuff around, for me, product around logic and common sense and um, trying to understand lots of different things. It appeals to me. I like solving puzzles. Um, literally solving puzzles actually but yeah it, it, it appeals to me as a person so I've worked for a variety of companies Rightmove, Transport for London, um, I worked in the gambling industry for a while um, I was also a teacher actually for a couple of years so I was a secondary school computing teacher which um, I thought would prepare me for standing in front of a room of people I didn't um, at all. Um, but yeah, so I was a teacher for a bit. It's helped, actually. One of the best things about being a teacher I found was that you have to explain um, things to different abilities, different audiences, in the same way that you do as a product manager. Um, and actually, not that I recommend people go and become secondary school teachers, um, but if you can do something that helps you kind of work with kids to explain stuff, it's a really good way to, to get used to breaking stuff down. Um, totally separate topic and I'm getting off what I'm supposed to be talking about. So um, when I did this talk last year, um, or a, a slightly longer version of actually, but I did a talk at the product school last year, I did a bit of research beforehand and said, okay, I'm going to talk about um, working with UX. What do you think that might mean? And there were basically two uh, camps, schools of thought, I guess. Um, the first one was, I don't have a UX team where I work. And I don't know how to make sure I'm thinking about UX and what I'm doing, or even just what is UX. Um, the other school of thought was, I have a UX team, and I find it quite difficult to work with them. How do I make that relationship better? I'm going to try and cover both, probably focusing slightly more on if you, if you don't have a team or how to work well in UX yourself, but I'm going to try and cover both things. If you've got, or some people have already messaged me on LinkedIn and said, I have this very specific problem within my team. Can you help me fix it? If um, if you have a specific problem, then I'm happy to chat to people later on or afterwards or whatever. Um, so I'm going to start, if I'm, if I'm trying to cover both things, um, start from a point of respect, which is really um, respect for UX as a discipline, but also just for different areas of the business that you're working with and what you do as a discipline as well. And if you have a team there that's doing your UX, then you want to make sure that you're 
respecting them and you're understanding them and you're spending time getting to know them. If you don't have a UX team, you still want to make sure you have respect for the discipline and you're thinking about it when you're doing your, your work. So that's kind of the, the starting point. Um, what do I mean by UX? bit like product, I found when you do research into what is UX, you get like a million different answers coming back, different people's opinions, different people's feelings about it. A couple of quotes, probably my busiest slide. Um, so UX design is a commitment to building products with a customer in mind. Or UX design is the art and science of generating positive emotions through product interactions. Or UX design is the process of designing a solution that considers all the needs of the user. Um, one of the things I find or I found doing research into this and in the past is by having taking user experience as a, as a term, shortening it down to UX, it's like it kind of loses its meaning a bit. Um, and people assume that the UX team, definitely in places I've worked in the past, but the UX team are there to do the, the pictures to make it look good. And that's all they're there for. They're the, the pixel painting kind of teams and it's so much more than that so it's not just that part of design but it's really understanding your users doing the research understanding their interactions their likes their dislikes why they are the way that they are what you can do to make things better for them when you're building a product how you can improve it so it's a it's a whole discipline obviously or hopefully obviously so if it's a whole discipline why do you as product managers need to be thinking about it assuming most people in the room are product managers um, quite simply if you're building a product someone's probably using it. So you should be thinking about them. Who are they? How do they use it? Why do they use it? Those things. And um, I think to be, I don't know if this is a bold statement or not, but to be, a, to be a good product manager, you have to be thinking about your users the whole time and thinking about UX. Um, so I like this as a simple way of explaining what we do. Um, but I think one of the problems, or two problems that come up with it, one is that it kind of creates those silos really quickly because it's like your UX, you're the business, which is possibly one of the most offensive ways you can describe an entire collection of, comp of your company. Um, your tech, and we're in the middle with products. So you created those silos. But also what, by putting product in the middle, I think people can take that too far and be like, I'm in the middle of everything, so I do everything, and I've got, I can get my own way with everything. And I think it, it, it makes me uncomfortable a little bit, I guess. So we've been talking about this a lot, actually, recently at work. And we've changed it slightly. So actually, what you need to do is understand your users, who they are, what they're doing, why they're there, what they like, what they don't like. I'm obviously going to go more into users in a second, so you need that. Um, you need to understand the goals. So as a business, why do you do what you do? Where, where have you come from? What's your background? What are you trying to achieve as a company? Why are you trying to achieve that as a company? I like to take analogies and quite often, oh, this last couple of weeks, started talking to my CEO about mountains and molehills and mountain ranges, and, but trying to understand the goals of the business and why. Um, and then understanding what's possible. So yeah, that's understanding what you're technically able to build. What does your tech allow? Are you one of those lucky companies, like us sometimes, who are building on a monolithic, horrific code base that has a two-weekly release cycle, or are you able to release every day? Um, do you have upgrades that you need to do regularly that you need to think about? What, what's possible? But also, by making it what's possible instead of tech, you can start thinking about other things that, as a business, what's possible. So are you able to go after a certain area? Possibly not. So right move, we have agents that advertise their properties on the site. We don't allow... Um, individuals who are selling properties to advertise directly in the UK, and we never will. 
So if that came up as an idea, it's just not going to happen. So it sits in that what's possible bot as well. And then the balance of that, which it makes it sound really simple to do, but it's not, obviously, we know. Um, so from all of that, understanding what our problems and opportunities are, so who are our users, what are we trying to achieve as a business, what's possible for us to do, and what's the balance of that, what are our problems and opportunities? And by, <laughs> by making the lines dotted instead of solid, you're blurring those lines. It, it, you need to do all of those things to do good product development. It's very, very easy to skip certain parts of it. I'm sure most people in the room are used to somebody coming to them and saying, can you do this small piece of work for me, please? And it turning out to be a six-month project that costs millions of pounds and will never be delivered. Um, if we get frustrated that people ignore this, this what's possible, but we're not thinking about our users the whole time, then we're just as guilty of making the same mistakes as other people. So, <clears throat> some tools. I've said tools. I'm not sure if I'd call them tools. Some things that you can do to make sure that you're thinking about your users. Some of these things I was almost worried were too simple, and I was simplifying it, but actually I think it's really easy to forget this stuff. And even by writing this, I was kind of going, do I even do all of this stuff all the time? I have to remind myself to do these things too. So the first thing, who are your users? When I worked at Transport for London, we decided to do a content strategy um, in our wisdom, and a bunch of us sat in a room and said, right, let's just think, who are our users? Get some post-it notes, love a post-it note. Um, get some Sharpies, let's cover the wall and what we can think of. And to begin with, you're like, oh, commuters, kids, keep going, keep going, keep going. We covered the entire wall and uh, some of the table with just people who were using Transport for London, things we hadn't necessarily all even thought of because we weren't thinking about the freight drivers who are driving through London who are also as Transport for London's users. And so the, the starting point for me in all of this really is to do that. Get the people who know your users in a room and talk about who they are. Um, an example for Rightmove, you might say you have buyers, people who are looking to buy a property. That's easy. I'm currently looking to buy a house. I'm in my mid-30s. It's my first property. I'm looking in East London. My mum is 69. She's about, she'll be pleased I've said that. Um, she's about to buy a retirement flat in Devon. We are not the same person. We're very, very different. Our needs, our likes, our dislikes, our use of technology. But if you just lump us in as buyers, then what you build for us is going to be completely different and isn't probably going to work for one or the other of us. So grab post-it notes. I mean, I can't believe people don't love post-it notes. I, I get quite passionate about them. Um, grab your post-it notes, grab some pens, sit down, talk about it. Involve not just your developer. Oh, I forgot that was there. Uh, <laughs> Don't include just your, don't touch anything. Uh, don't just include your development team and your UX team if you have one, but include your customer service team or your sales team, people who are talking to your customers. Get everybody in a room, write them down. Once you've covered the wall and everything you can think of, then maybe you want to categorize things. You might want to group things together and go, well, they are kind of all, are all our buyers, but you know there are different types of them. Then get hold of any data you can about these people. So if you've got data, hopefully. Um, Again, what are they doing? Where are their drop-off points? Where do they arrive? Why do they arrive there? Can you talk to any of them? If you're lucky enough to have a product where you could literally walk out the door and most people will use your product, which for us we are quite lucky to have, um, do that. Go and talk to them. Understand them. Understand as much as possible about them. So it's not really a tool, but a thing to do. Understand them. Very simple, but make sure you do. And make sure everybody does. The team, people who are building them. So we have a new developer who joined us in the last few weeks. I was talking to him yesterday. And he said, for me to be able to build good tools for you, to be able to build the right features, I need to know more about 
the industry and who's using our, our product. So he, he knows that, and that's great, but you want everybody to feel that way, to be thinking about the users. That's the first thing. An experience map um, takes things away from just your product um, specifically, but puts your user at the center of their whole experience. So I'm super happy to get to talk about something I love. I love to run. I run a lot. Um, I get a training plan sent to me every week, and it tells me what I should be doing that week. This week says I need to go and do a three-hour run somewhere on a trail. So I'm thinking, OK, where am I going to do, do a three-hour trail run? I start doing some research online. I find somewhere nearby that I can go to. I look up the routes that I could do. I can copy that route across into my app, which will then sync to my watch, which I've taken off so I don't start fiddling with it. Um, I can then go and do the run. I can track what I'm doing. I can upload that run onto my phone. I look at the data later. I feel super satisfied and smug that I've been for a three-hour run on the trails. But that was my whole experience. I used, in that, websites to look up routes. I used my watch. I used the app for my watch. I used Strava to look at my data later on. If the different um, tools that I'm talking about just looked at how I use them specifically, they could build something super cool but they could also build something even better if they think about my whole experience across the whole part of going for a run, because that's what they're part of. Um, so what you're able to do is go, what are the different stages within this person's journey? So thinking about going for a run, planning their route, traveling there, or downloading it, traveling there, running. What are, the, um, what are they trying to achieve at each point throughout that? What are their behaviors at each point? And what are their feelings, positive and negative, at that point? And then you're able to say, hey, they feel super negatively here. So something I get frustrated by, it takes a long time for my watch to sync to the app. If they were going to fix anything, I'd want them to fix that. But beyond that, looking for routes is quite important to me. So maybe that's an area they want to look at. So by looking at the whole experience, you're able to see how your product solves some of the problems of the whole experience and where the, the, good, the good and bad feelings are. But then also, you're able to say, OK, well, we've, we've got this right in this area, so how might we expend, extend our product further? And so if you don't have an experience map and you do have a UX team, you want to speak to them about maybe doing something together to do it. If you don't have a UX team, then you can just do it yourself. It's a starting point. So I thought about this a lot. Does it matter if you don't do this perfectly? I don't think so, because at least what you're doing is thinking about your users as a whole and thinking about their whole experience. So, yep, that Medium article is great. There's some other articles that you can use um, as well, but you should be thinking about their whole experience, not just the journey within your product. <clears throat> and then the last part, tool, um, who sets the bar? Um, I think one of the key things is that people tend to look within a bubble. So there are other property portals out there. I could spend my time looking at other property portals, and it would be self-fulfilling. I'm just looking at what other people are doing. But actually, what you want to do is understand who sets the bar outside of just your area of thought and at your area of work. So right me if people are searching for properties. I need to know how people are searching online. What are they doing? We might be the number one property portal, but we're definitely not the number one website. So how are people doing their searches? What are they expecting from that? What expectations are being set elsewhere? Um, I was talking to somebody at the weekend who's um, building some software for um, um, hairdressers and salons. And she was talking about, well, this is how it works within salons. And I said, have you looked in other places? Because people are using, on, people are doing all sorts of things online now. So if you're using calendars within your system, are you actually thinking about 
the calendars that are being used in other places, as well as thinking about the users who are going to be doing it. But that bar is being set outside of your product, unless you are working for Google, therefore you are probably setting the standard for searching. Um, thanks. Um, you're, you need to know what's happening outside, what expectations are being set. And when you do this, it's really easy to go down rabbit holes. So you start looking at someone's site and you go, oh, look at how they do searching on this, this fashion website. It comes to many fashion websites. But you start searching and you go, cool, so I like the way they search. And then you go, hey, look at their account functionality. That's super cool. I'm going to start looking at that now. And then you're in their account. And the next thing you know, you've bought like a new pair of jeans. You forgot what you were looking for in the first place. And you have no idea how their sorting works. So before you start doing it, define what you're actually looking at. So what am I going to go and try and find out here? What am I trying to achieve? And write down anything that distracts you. You've got like a car parking situation in, in meetings. But yeah, that's a super cool account functionality. That's what I'll look at next. Put that to one side and keep going. It's so easy to go off on a tangent and start looking at different things. Um, and if you do that, you'll suddenly come back a day later and go, what was I looking for? What did I find out? Um, so, so three, those three things, very simple, but how to start thinking about UX within your product properly. So your user's experience. Who are your users? Why do they use your product? How do they use your product? What do they like? What do they not like? What data do you have available to you? Everything that you can find out about them, find out about them. Ideally, chuck it up on a wall that everyone can constantly look at. Keep adding your research to it. Experience maps. Actually think about your experience beyond your product. If you're not already, so if you weren't one of the people who put their hand up to say you're doing your user journey within your product, also do that so that you know how people are using your product specifically, but also look beyond just your product. And then make sure that you're looking at the expectations that are being set away from your product and, and understanding where your user's expectations are coming from. So kind of the last bit around this is working with UX. It's interesting when I started to think about how do you take kind of figuring out the UX yourself and working with a team. Um, to build good products, you have to have this. Even if you don't have a UX team, you still have to be thinking about it. So you've got tech, what's possible. You've got UX, how are people using it, what's going to work, what's not going to work. And you've got product, kind of understanding the problems and opportunities that are available to you, setting the success measures, um, knowing what good looks like interacting with other people. But it's not that just product is this like barrier to everything else. This is a constant group that needs to be working together the whole time. And my, um, my little nod there again back to, if this is a collective group of people building products, if you refer to everybody else who works as your in your company as the business, it kind of just throws away all of that knowledge and information. They're all subject matter experts in what they do. That's why they do their job. That's what they bring to the party. They're great at what they do. You bring your knowledge as a product manager, UX, or if you have a UX team, if you don't have a UX team, tech, bring theirs. So make sure that you're kind of coming up with your solutions and you're working with the business to, the business, I just said it myself, the, <laughs> the company, uh, to make sure that you're building the right things the whole time. Um, I just got like a 10 minute warning and then I've just seen the time. Is that good? Five-minute warning. I'm not going to take five minutes. Um, so key takeaways, hopefully, from this. Know your users. thing I forgot to say, um, you have to remember that you're not a user of your product. Very key thing that I meant to say before. Um, you're, you are um, tainted.
effectively. Um, as soon as you become someone who builds a product or you're working on a product, you can no longer start saying you are a user. I do it at least three times a day. Well, when I'm looking for properties, this is what I do. It, it, it doesn't matter anymore because you already know too much about whatever it is that you're building. But people's habits so often to be like, well, when I do this thing that no one ever does because they don't spend 12 hours a day on our product, you, you've got to remember you're not, you're not one of them. Um, it's super hard. I actually have quite a lot of arguments with UX about this one. Um, uh, look at the experience of your users beyond your product. Um, look at the whole thing. Understand the expectations that are being set away. My last bullet, my second to last bullet point I realized I didn't even talk about. Um, make sure that you are testing and learning the whole time. So you're trying things out, and you're trying them on your users. You're seeing if they fly, if they don't fly, and then you're carrying on and you're learning from them. So you're including your users in, your, in all of your development the whole time. And always start from a place of respect. So respect your users and therefore the team, if there is one that represents that. And if there isn't, you still have respect for the art of UX and the discipline of UX. Even if you don't have somebody right there doing it, you need to be thinking about it. And that's it. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to The Product Podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. For more product insights, head over to productschool.com.